welcome to Winning Minds. We're not negative, we're positive. We don't get bitter, we get better. We don't lose, we win. We understand that life is more than what happens to you. It's about how you respond. And that response starts in your mind. And if you can change your mind, change what, how, and the way you think, you will change your life. Welcome to a positive mind, a better mind, a winning mind. I am your host, Fred Lavalley, and this is the Winning Minds Podcast. Did you ever hear the story about a baby born in Bethlehem whose family had to move because of potential threats against his life? No, I'm not talking about Jesus. This is actually how Cedric Pascal's life began. Join us on this episode, part one of a two-part series about his life and how he, as a black man, has been able to win in the sensitive and difficult area of race relations. I understand this is not everyone's story, but I believe his in particular is very powerful and enlightening, and I hope it is useful to you. Welcome to Winning Minds. I'm Fred Lavalley. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Cedric Pascal. Uh, he lives in the wonderful city of Athens, Georgia, the place where I grew up. We got to know each other many, many years ago. Um, he and I have developed a good friendship, spent a lot of time together with music and basketball and hanging out and you name it. Um, it's been a good relationship through the years, but I wanted to bring him on today for this episode specifically because of his unique story, his unique perspective on many issues in life. Um, he is now married, successful, has three children, living a, a good life, a good exemplary life for all of us. And so I want to take advantage of this friendship and his wisdom and the things that he's lived through and the decisions he's had to make and bring him on the show today. Um, so I'll just take a moment and uh, turn it over to you, Cedric, and let you introduce yourself briefly to everybody. Hey, what's good? What's good? What's good? Hey, I'm Cedric Pascal. Yeah, I live in Athens, Georgia. Um, I'm just, I'm Cedric. <laughs> this is uh, I true. Don't know. You're Cedric. And I, I was, you know what? I've never met a Cedric who wasn't a unique personality. And like, I think back high school, I'm like, everybody who's named Cedric is just really cool. <laughs> I've never met a Cedric who's like, just like, that's just Cedric. Like every yeah. single one has been very unique. There's something about that name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess like if, if you want like a whole backstory of me or what have you, you know, I, I grown up, um, you know, initially I, I was born in Monroe, uh, which is in Walton County. In, here in Georgia. And so I know like uh, the reason why my parents moved to Athens was like they heard Ku Klux Klan were beginning to parade, uh, were about to start a parade in, in Walton County. And when my mom kind of heard of that, she prayed and she was like, yo, we got to get up out of uh, Monroe because I, I, I can't, I don't want to have my kids watch this. And so we'll hear about this or start asking questions about this. So we moved to Athens in 86 and my sister uh, went to UGA as a political science major, my oldest sister. And so she graduated, I think, UGA 1990, I believe. Uh, you know, my brother, you know, sisters graduated Cedar Shoals. I think my other sister, she went to Clark Central. and I think she graduated from there, but I'm the Cedar Shoals one. I, I, you know, I, I went back to see the shows and you know, all that good stuff. So that that's, that's like a little fun tidbit that, you know, a lot of people don't know about me. So, wow. I was, 
technically born in Bethlehem. So, <laughs> hey man, you and Jesus got something in common. That's what I'm talking about. Bethlehem, Georgia, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for folks who don't know, that's where all your Christmas cards come from. Bethlehem, Georgia. Folks, take advantage of the, the postmark there. Roger. So, wow. So, wow. So, that was something early on that definitely marked you and your family, the KKK and all the history and the rally that I guess was going to happen down there. And just in light of today, or, or really yesterday, uh, Juneteenth, June the 19th, um, mm -hmm. for a, a lot of us that didn't have any idea about that day besides it was the day after the 18th and the day before the 20th. I know myself, I had no idea what Juneteenth was. I had never heard about it. I mean, occasionally here and there, I, I know that in my mind, I've heard you speak of it just in your own life and as you speak with people. Uh, but in mm -hmm. school, I can't ever recall learning about it. I never recall ever seeing anything on it on TV, movies. I'm sure it's been out there here and there, but on the scale that it is at this current time, I've never seen anything like this. And I didn't know much about it. And I actually, you know, I reached out to you and you shot me a quick link, gave me a quick overview. And I was reading about it. The significance of that date and where we are right now, Juneteenth, has that been a significant day to you? I guess briefly describe to people who don't know what it is, describe what that day is and its meaning or lack thereof, however, just your perspective on that day. Okay. Well, just a little brief backstory on it. Um, in the best way I can explain, I'll probably leave some parts out of it. But I mean, it's, it's very interesting. You know, uh, I would encourage people to kind of do some research on it and just, you know, get a grasp of it. Uh, but in June 19 of 1865, there was a proclamation that was read from the federal government by uh, Major General Granger. So this was done in Galveston, Texas. Uh, and so Texas was like one of the last, was the final slave state to go back into the union. And so if the union didn't gain control of that particular succeeded state, the state that, you know, left from uh, the union, then that means this slave uh, proclamation did not stick, if that makes sense. So when they read it there in Texas, it was just like, all all the stuff all the slave states that were uh all the slave states that went away from the union they were now a part of the union and these slaves now had rights to uh be free so that's the gist of it you know because a lot of people think of the emancipation proclamation that was written in 1862 mm -hmm. and you know finally enforced in 1863 everybody thought that's the end all be all to slavery but technically you know this Juneteenth or uh, June 19th, 1865 was the, you know, the final, that, that was like the, 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 the capping, that, that just capped everything off. It just, that, that completed the work. So think of Emancipation Proclamation as the start of the end, and then Juneteenth, which is June 9th, which June and 19th put together, which forms the Juneteenth mm -hmm. as the end of everything. Hopefully that makes sense. Yes, it does. And that is, was just powerful for me to think about and to hear just the proclamation was made, but it took several years to communicate that. And then yes, understanding that it was Texas was the last of the states for that to finally be declared in and to be brought back in, into the union to be under the sovereignty of the United States to declare slavery as illegal. And that happened right. on June the 19th. And so that day, I guess, has been taken to be a day of celebration for people. 
Well, yeah. All right. It's like one of those things where, you know, if you're black, you're kind of, you're somewhat privy to it. You kind of know about it. You know, people know about, you know, black culture would know about Emancipation Proclamation, Mm -hmm. all right, which they know about. And they, you know, hey, we, you know, when President Lincoln, so we give props to President Lincoln just for the fact that, okay, hey, you, you signed this legislation. Great. And then, so 1865, people kind of know about it. Um, I think Galveston, Texas was like one of the first to, hey, let's make this some sort of holiday. And then it just picked up steam as, you know, more and more people kind of, you know, start reading into it, finding out about it and, and just really passing it down. And so I believe it. Yeah, I believe it became a some sort of uh, Independence Day or holiday in Texas in 1980. Okay. But, you know, yeah. So, you know, in school, you would learn about Emancipation Proclamation. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when I heard about it initially, it was like uh, through this one morning show, more morning radio show called the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he kind of discussed it and, 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 and little known fact, but I was kind of like, what, nine or 10 years old when I heard about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like, you know, it just ingrained in my mind because think about it. Uh, this is freedom. You know, this is uh, it, the reason why it's significant to me is because, you know what? Hey, this is people's first shot at freedom. And, you know, just that opportunity to do things that you always dreamed of. Hey, you got the opportunity to, you know, work for wages. You got the opportunity uh, to live, you know, get land, do all these different things. You now have that opportunity. It's just like how people took advantage of the freedoms and things like that. And some people, hey, you know, they decided, hey, I'm going to stick here because, I don't know how to function in this yet. So it's, it, it's just an interesting story of just mm-hmm. how people can progress from the freedoms that they, uh, and that they just now receive. So now continuing that same vein, what are your thoughts on, on race? Um, and you said you you know, you were born and quickly were moved because of uh, racial conflict. Your mom got wind of a KKK meeting that was going to happen and then nine years old, hearing on the radio a man talk about this Juneteenth day, is what? What are your what were your thoughts as a, a kid and a young man growing up? What were your thoughts on race? It's a touchy. It's kind of touchy. It's kind of like one it's of those very, stuff. very touchy, yeah. very volatile, very explosive. But I think that's what people need to be able to do. Is and I've always told people we we have to be and you and I, you know, we we can do this. And I hope people will listen. We have to be able to talk and think and be confident and listen and, and make decisions and listen to people's stories, li- listen to their lives. And it'll help us understand other people and help us understand the world that we live in and hopefully can can truly make us all better. Right, right, right. So I guess like hearing about the KKK rally, because this is like mid 80s. Um, you know, we moved from Monroe in 86 1986 because i was five yeah Mm -hmm. i was five years old when we moved to athens and so just hearing about kkk you know who is that and then you know uh i think shortly after we moved i think there was like a documentary on pbs because like my my sister was a political science major and this is kind of like 
almost what shaped my views about racism. But look, first, let me let me just start off with the definition of racism. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, it's like a belief that different races possess like distinct characteristics or abilities that make them either better or superior or inferior to another race. So, you know, racism, like, okay, hey, you, you know, I, I, I can look down on certain races just because, hey, I'm superior to you. So my sister, like when she was like, you know, reading all these books, you know, Maya Angelou, uh, James Baldwin was some of the books, you know, the autobiography of Malcolm X. And then like there was this documentary that she had to watch. It was called Eyes on the Prize. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, that shaped, it, it just kind of taught me how race relations were in the 60s and 70s. This is like around the era, you know, the 50s, 60s, 70s. It's around the era where my mom and my dad grew up. You know, my dad uh, was from uh, the Montgomery area, Tuskegee area oh, of wow. Alabama. Mm. And then he moved to Atlanta for better opportunities. And that's how he met my mom. And so my mom lived, uh, my mom grew up nearby Ebenezer, at this church, you know, back in those days. Oh, wow. She seen like um, the Nation of Islam kind of rise up in the Atlanta neighborhoods because she was like, yeah, these are poor people that all of a sudden start having and doing and doing different things like that. She, you know, both of them seen, you know, the colored water fountains, both of them seen, you know, the bus segregations, mm. all these different things. But the thing about Atlanta, what made Atlanta kind of unique and different was because Atlanta was kind of like one of those places where opportunity uh, existed for black people. Because wow. like, if you think about it, uh, the Braves were the first uh, major sports team to come into the South. And it was based on race relations. Oh, wow. Because, you know, Atlanta, you know, they ran on the city. Uh, they ran on the platform, the city too busy to hate. Hmm. Just just different things like that. So Atlanta was like an opportunity spot for that. And I guess like when Martin Luther King died, it was just like, you know, a lot of people just felt, you know, you cut off our leaders. You know, Malcolm X got assassinated, Edgar Evers, all these people. And it's just like, you know, that there was a, uh, you get the feeling or the sense that a lot of times America is not for us black people. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of like you you kind of get this thing ingrained in you, if yeah. that makes sense. No, yeah, that does. That does. That, that's definitely describing the backstory, of, you know, personally and on a, a larger cultural, even a national level, how you, you, you brought all those pieces in to the store there. That's, that's very good. Um, so as a young man, seeing those movies, listen, you know, your sister, the books you were reading, and you're trying to just make sense of the life around you, your own history, your parents. We, we all know we listen to our parents' stories and that largely shapes and affects who we are. Describe your journey uh, in your view of, of races and interaction with the different you know, races around you as you were growing up in Georgia, in the South, in Athens. Describe your own journey as, as a young man just growing up and even un until now. So I talked to you about that KKK rally. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, wow. You, it's something I kind of filed away. Boom. All right. Then uh, the house that we happened to move into was one of the fat or first black attorneys 
um, he was like a professor at the UGA. Mm-hmm. And he ran the law school at UGA uh, at that time. So he was like one of the first black, you know, uh, attorneys. I believe his name is Larry Blunt. Mm-hmm. And so um, we kind of we kind of picked up a relationship with him, you know, because he didn't, you know, he didn't leave Athens. Mm-hmm. He still kind of practiced in Athens and things of that nature. And then like another instance that just kind of stuck out to me was one of the people that was servicing my mom's mortgage at the time, you know, she was paying the mortgage and all that stuff to the home. She called my mom uh, with glee that uh, he, he was up for being disbarred. Um, just just kind of several uh, incidents happened and things of that nature. But a lot of times I really didn't want to, I, I don't share this story. Yeah. But I, you know, because it was just like one of those things that it was just like, wow, you, you foul lady. But she mm-hmm. called my mom and just said, "Have you heard that that attorney? He's up for being disbarred. That serves him right. Uh, I wouldn't let that n word represent my dog." And uh, my mom hung up the phone, and then she taught me about the importance of the n word. Yeah. She was like, "Don't you ever use that." ever ever use that and uh i remember roots came out well you know not i don't remember when it came out because it came out in 77 Mm -hmm. so i was born after 77 obviously Mm -hmm. i was born in 1981 but you know what when roots like she went to blockbuster and got the whole miniseries of roots Mm. and was like you need to watch this because that's your history you need to know why it's important for you not to use that word. Yeah. And I mean, at this time, you know, a whole bunch of hip hop artists, they was just using that term left and right. Black exploitation films that was made in the early seventies. They were using this term left and right, but she was like, this is why I don't use that word. This is a mm. curse word. And, mm. and you know, it, it just kind of, that just ingrained in my heart and just ingrained in me that even like, I don't, you know, I've used it before, but it was just like, you know, it was like, it, it, it pained me to use it. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes, definitely. And so I, I made a vow, like, you know, uh, a while back is like, I will never use that word. Never. Yeah. Never. So obviously so. that, that was a uh, powerful moment in your life. Just, just personally again, and then your mom taking the time to teach you the history of it and the significance of it, and then putting that challenge to you. That was definitely a, a specific uh, game-changing moment in your life. Were there any other moments or conversation in your life that uh, affected you and impacted you in this area of race relations? So even with that, it's just like interactions. So you filter life from that. I, you know, it's like when you hear that, whoa. And then yeah. it's just like things that may have seemed like you, you got that slight. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, all white people bad. Then, you know, I think the movie Malcolm X came out and boy, that just turned everything. It it was a movie made in 1990. I remember this. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching this movie and it just, it it was made by Spike Lee, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 1990. So starred Denzel Washington. uh, And just that movie was like two hours worth of just his life, his story. And the, 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 it just made you mad. It really made you angry. Mm. And, and as a kid watching this, so 
you know, I was probably what, only uh, nine years old, 10 years old when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just watching it, it just really affected me. And so I started filtering life through that, you know, my dealings with white people, like, you're not better than me. You're not better than me. As a matter of fact, you know, you, you know, just, I learned derogatory words to say against white people. And it was just, that's how I was filtering life. And all the way up until high school, this is, this is going on through elementary, mental, middle school, high school. And I think it really kind of come to a head when I cussed out this teacher at, in high school. And this mm-hmm. was like in 97. This is mm-hmm. 1997. Teacher threw me out for like, you know, laughing at some joke or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, ha, 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 you know, go sit outside of class and I'll deal with you after, after the bell rang. I was like, look, lady, I got to go to work. You know, don't, don't, don't play with me like this. I got to get the bus and I got to, you know, go on to my job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the bell rang. So I go back in, get my book bag the way uh, I told her I was going to do it. Yeah. She was like, no, I thought I told you to, you know, stay outside. And then she grabbed my arm and I just went off. Mm. and they said uh like you know at the alternative school hearing uh that you know i had in front of the school board they said i cussed this teacher out for 20 minutes straight uh just just all kind of you know all kind of cuss words all these different things but the reason why was that true was it 20 minutes long you don't remember honestly i blacked out it was almost like i was so ticked that it was Mm. just uh, it was it was just something behind it, you know. It just I filtered life that way. Yeah, it all it all it all bubbled up. It wasn't necessarily you know that mad that a teacher puts me out of class. Like why would you react like that? But it's you know a, a lot. You just you're a kid growing up and filtering life and have all this in you, and it almost yeah. seems like yeah, there's here it is again. Why are you kicking me out of class? And then just the fact that it's white and black looks so similar to maybe many things you had seen. It just it all comes together. And yeah. if someone doesn't know that, they don't know that. And they just see a kid flipping out, cussing the teacher out. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, for instance, I remember even when the O.J. Simpson trial happened, you know, the Rodney King beatings. I remember they was rioting in Atlanta when the uh, Rodney King, you know, uh, trial. And, like, they acquitted the, the police officers that, that beat on them, you know. And I remember just feeling that anger. Like, you know what? That ain't right. That ain't right. And yeah. I wanted to go out and ride, but I wasn't number like an 11 year old kid. Wow. <laughs> and you know, OJ Simpson trial. And uh, uh, I'm gonna just say this. As a black person at that time, it was just like, you wanted the injustices of that, that you've heard of mm-hmm. uh, back in the fifties and sixties. You, you wanted that to flip in this OJ Simpson trial because it was a right it, it was a race issue. Johnny mm-hmm. Cochran, the attorney, he made it a race issue mm-hmm. because you know the police officers, you know, they were throwing the N-word around when they were interrogating people. And and it just made it kind of obvious that it just sounded like a, a race issue. Mm-hmm. And I believe that the Rodney King thing really opened it up for the OJ Simpson acquittal. Yeah. Because you know, they treated that, you know, I don't think they treated that in, in, in the best way. And the prosecutors, you know, for the O.J. Simpson trial, they didn't do a great job either. 
Thanks for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast and post a comment. And then tell two people today about Winning Minds. I hope you'll join us on the next episode. But until then, keep your mind healthy and keep winning with the Winning Minds podcast.